Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 26th of April 2020. And of course, we're still mainly all here, I think, eh? As I said before, you pinch yourself in the mornings, because if you really, really believe in all the incredible hype that's going on, you'd have to pinch yourself, you know. I guess somebody else to pinch you, perhaps. Maybe you can't trust yourself. Because that's the whole message of it now, isn't it? That you can't really use your own common sense and observations. Your rationality isn't allowed anymore. Facts don't matter. Facts really don't matter when this big agendas at play. And I've lived long enough and through enough big agendas are parts of the same, the same long-lasting agenda, actually, in different parts, part one, two, three, etc., to know that there's a massive agenda, pre-planned, getting ran through right now. I'm sure most of you already know it too. You can always tell when there's a big agenda on the go because it's generally the same agenda uh, under different guise, a different excuse to ram it all through. And we've seen this already, of course, with the beginnings of it, the, the, real, the real rumblings that happened back in the 90s. I've mentioned this before. When uh, Bill Clinton was in, there was a big change, and uh, a lot of messages went out to the American people, especially because now you had the events televised. There's a big tele. When you see televised extravaganzas, there's a big message behind it for a change. You see, and uh, I can remember a lot of folk getting shocked when the Oklahoma City bombing went off. And nothing made sense again. And of course you had different, uh, explosives experts on different shows trying to, trying to figure out how this particular kind of blast came from a, a fertilizer bomb inside a, a van. I think it was supposedly parked outside of it. Whereas the direction of the blast just didn't seem right at all. And it took them, I think, a couple of years before they, they found a part of the van to prove there was a van there. And it was apparently lodged between two buildings. They had noticed it before. But uh, this is how, this is kind of stuff that goes on. But out of that, it was, it was in, so interesting because you see that they tried, Bill Clinton had tried to get this anti-terrorism bill through back then. And at the time, they didn't have all the wars on the go, you know, that they, now just normal. The new, I came out along with the new normals. I came out with the phrase, and of course, everything's getting new normals all the time now. And it didn't make sense, this whole Oklahoma City bombing thing, especially when <laughs> it's true enough, the characters in it had much the same names as the characters in the book. And the, the getaway guy was caught eventually in a car with similar uh, things on him, found in the car too, uh, according to the characters in the book. It was, it was like a script, really. And then we find out too, sure enough, the CIA, uh, I think it was Clancy, uh, came out, some of the books came out under, it came out and admitted that years later that they handed a whole lot of books written, already written by their teams for uh, this, this uh, publication actually, under somebody else's name. So yeah, you're living through incredible times when you have such in- Manipulation, you can't fathom it, it's just overwhelming when you start digging into it. And years later, I've always said this, you find out the truth years later when different uh, uh, things are declassified. Uh, very important, if you live in a free society, which is a novel joke of course, 
But if you lived in one or even a democratic society, which is a part of the awful joke, then you would obviously have the data at the time. You couldn't keep stuff back from the public. Of course, the whole point of government is to keep everything back from the public as for as long as they can. And after 20 years, 30 years, folk don't really care. The next generation's growing up. The other generation's so burned out. Uh, with, with the financial collapses and everything else that goes, or wars, etc., that they, they have no time to be bothered anymore and they're ready to die eventually. So they always go for the next, next crop of youngsters to get them into wars. Was, I used to wonder, in fact, I thought, you know, the timing between World War One and Two was, was, was amazing because after World War One, they had pretty good uh, film made at the time of groups that sprung up trying to stop another war happening like that. It was it was such an incredible mass slaughter uh, that, that people were in shock for that generation, what was left of it. And these little cenotaphs went up to every little town and village across Britain with all the dead. Sometimes whole families were wiped out, quite common for the men to get wiped out, the father, sons and uncles and so on. So it ended, it was proposed about 1918, and, but really, uh, within 20 years, within another crop of young, you know, bodies to fill the uniforms, they have another one. You couldn't really plan this any better. And of course, the, the second war, and the top, the top journalists of the day, the ones that were still honest enough anyway, who attended the Paris conference and, and uh, the, to do with the Versailles Treaty and all the rest of it, and the divvying up of uh, all the uh, the losses and putting it all on the backs of Germany. The top ones said, the top uh, writers from the Times and different papers said that uh, this will probably lead to another war because Germany will have no option but to fight its way out of it. They never they couldn't they they collapsed and starved to death if they you know. And if that wasn't prophetic, I don't know what was. Um, but again, 20 years later, you, you get the same thing happening again. Didn't have to happen. And there were a lot of different people, even even in the House of Lords in Britain, that, that said, you've got to just forgive this debt and write it off to, to, and write the experience, you know, for the experience that you had of what happened and uh, the, the terrible disaster and suffering that caused so, uh, of course, that was thrown out the window when the big bankers got in the act. And, and uh, again, that, the, the good movie is quite good in some ways. We could get the book too, the, the non-fiction uh, book <laughs> of 19, perhaps 19, of what really happened. Because they did actually put a bunch of bankers in. They brought them in. They gave the, the, the reins to, to just go to town and, and uh, divvy up the debt. And, and, and no doubt for a lot, with, a lot of it came their way as well, all the, the rewards. But... Everything's so corrupt, so corrupt. Uh, you, you, in human societies, you can't get truth really. If you if you did get truth, um, I was going to say pigs might fly, but again, with the genetic engineering, who knows what they'll come up with next. But however, again, it's just astonishing to watch all these incredible wars, and you can't. You, 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 this, they've gone about conspiracies. When you see what the lengths that governments go to to get the public riled up to go to war, it's no different than this COVID idea. Uh, massive. Again, Carl Quigley went through the the records from a, the group that is behind a lot of it, 
the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs Dash Council and Foreign Relations Group. And if they're private, he was a private, he was a historian for their private collection of true histories. They have their own version of it because they've been so involved, all the way from the date of Jamestown raid, which they rigged for South Africa. And the Boer War came on home. They've been behind so much of this kind of thing and creating wars to, to get change, you know, plan change. And if that isn't a concert, conspiracy, I don't know what is. And quickly published a lot of the stuff in Tragedy and Hope and in the Anglo-American Establishment book. He, he went to town on it and, and let a lot out of the bag. And he was all for the, the whole thing, the idea of creating wars to get what you want for plan, a planned future, you see. But he did go through the scenario for bringing on World War II when the, the, the Royal Chief for International Affairs, Dash Council and Foreign Relations Group and um, Dash Asian Pacific Council Group, because they're the groups for every block of the, of the planet, the blocks they, they created in regions. And the... They said that a board meeting with all the, the, the big moguls who owned the media, all the media at the time, they all, they're all part of it in London. And they decided that the only way to get the public on board, they're so lethargic and, and wary of war after World War One, and, and, and of course the Great Depression, right? <laughs> There's just a continuation of it, and it was part of the problem with it too. War, wars create incredible debt. So they, they, they said, what, what to get the people on board, but by terrifying them. See, terror is a great, I mentioned it before years ago, like the 90s, the talks on terror and how it was used to, to get the cattle running and stampeding. And once you're doing that, you get a few horses in the front with riders on them who can steer the direction of the herd. And if you let them rest for a minute, they want to stay for a while. So you keep them panicked and keep them running in different directions, but you decide where they're going to go. That's how the simple technique is. You're all going to die and everyone loses their sensibilities. You see, happens all the time. So for World War Two, the group uh, met in London, the, the, the Magnus and Moguls and all the rest of it, and the media barns, and they decided to terrify the public and tell them a lot of lies. And that's why everybody in Britain had to have gas masks. They were told the first thing that, that uh, Adolf was going to come over and gas you all to death. And they had massive stores of gas all made up, which is all a lie. They knew it was a lie. Because Germany too was under incredible observation all all the time from after World War One, and uh, traffic inspections that you wouldn't believe, and the old idea of treaty, 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 etc. As it went through all these disarmament projects, etc. So anyway, they would terrify the public, and it just massive air raids, massive air raids would come and kill everybody. And, and they're going to come in and sterilize all the males. And uh, naturally, the males weren't too happy about that one. And uh, they stopped digging the trenches in London when they got heard that news, because they said, my God, you know, maybe I should gird myself or something, or should just dig the trenches, you see. And, of course, what would your tre- trenches if you could get bombed from the air? <laughs> They didn't stop to think about that. They were so terrified. But they pay people to do all this work. You see, you always get people in the front. You, you get the, the, the public relations experts on board and you put them to task uh, with plans. And, uh, and they, you'll find that the same thing's happening today with all the dancing folk at the hot. There's nothing better to do than dance. Is that the, do you really, are you swallowing all this stuff here? Hmm? And they must get a terminology of war going too when you terrify the people. So you get the, you're all going to die. 
Uh, and immediately they point to the enemy, the culprit, you see, getting you ready for it. And, uh, and out of the, at that time back then, you didn't have much in the way of news except the radio, apart from the newspapers, but the radio was your, your form, not television so much in Britain. And you, you, you found that they, they would bring on people who, who were spokespeople from the military and people who were still in the military are getting well paid to give out propaganda. What the terrible things are going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they say that, and Hitler was quite right, Adolf Hitler, he said to get the people on board to follow the party, the Nazi party. He wasn't creating a new idea. It was well understood in the revolutionary circles. He said that you must terrify the public. Uh, the communists did the same thing. The communists would terrify the public. And any aid coming to the public, like food or anything uh, for the poor, uh, was to be cut off. And, and they did even kill the people delivering the stuff in the communist countries because they wanted a revolution. So you must get everybody so as miserable as possible to, to take part in it. If they're getting fed, they're not so miserable, you see. And, and folk never stopped to think of this kind of thing. They, they just see that the initial results... Uh, which are the, the faces and the stories, oh, you're all going to die. Yeah. And, and they're going to, you know, take that little thing that they generally use for the, for the, for the male uh, cattle. And, you know, you, that's what you're going to get in Britain and elsewhere. And, and oh my, what, the people were not too chuffed about that one. So, yep, they went to the Digna trenches and they, they admitted in their own records and Quigley said it too. He said, this is all bogus. To terrify the public, to get them on board in preparation, get them psychologically ready uh, to obey. If you're running in, in fear in a hole, but you'll run right into the military when you're told to, and that's really what happened. The same thing happened with 9-11, of course, when you saw all these young guys volunteering, really believing uh, that, that a few guys that couldn't read their right in caves in, in Afghanistan had, had done all this by themselves. It's astonishing. And, and again, back again to Bill Clinton and the Oklahoma City bombing and the big changes that were happening then. He tried to get through this emergency terrorism act and they had the meeting in, in the Congress uh, two days, I think, before the bombing or something. And it was turned down. The people didn't want it. It was against the Constitution and all the rest of it. The incredible powers it would give people to look into everybody's lives. And the wars hadn't started yet. You see, although Bill Clinton and his whole reign there had been setting off every day so many, maybe a dozen uh, cruise missiles into parts of Iraq nonstop uh, all over the place. And uh, that became just another new normal, too. Um, so they were trying to get it all going. They knew it was going to come because they kept goading and goading and trying to get it going. Uh, so anyway, you had the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, which was exactly what the FBI had been prouding on about, because the FBI and a few other so-called watchdogs, private groups that are very self-interest and very powerful censor groups, were blaming militias at the time inside America, and, oh, big threat they could be, blah, blah, blah. Because it, there were so many attempts to start take, taking away rights in the Constitution. So that's why a lot of the, the militias actually got reformed from the old Cold War groups. They got reformed again. They saw what was happening. And for those outside the U.S., 
uh, and even inside it now too, uh, they don't realize that that was a tradition inside the U.S. all through the Cold War. And so much so that Hollywood used to make, put, put little episodes with, with the Hicks. It's always the Hicks and Hellbillies, eh? They really hate people outside the cities, especially in the South. They really hate them. And they put the, the comical uh, scenarios of the, of the, the country militias into their little supposed comedies that were generally pretty ridiculous. But that's what was done. So Clinton again, as I say, uh, trying to get that through. Well, about two days later, bingo, you had that bombing. Oklahoma City. And before the next couple of days was, was, was over, that same anti-terrorism bill that had been tossed out and, and, and voted down was ran right through. You see? If they don't get what they want, they, they just make it happen. The scenario happened and that's it. About the same time, a bit later, not, about 1998, was it, or I can't just remember exactly, Alan Rock in Canada, who was Attorney General, another appointed person for the government, for the Liberal government at the time, I think it was. But anyway, Alan Rock, whoever, whoever, they're all the same men, they'll be serving the same masters. And Alan Rock uh, put through pretty well single-handedly somehow this anti-terrorism bill for Canada, and it was called an omnibus crime bill, but when it was analysed, it was a pure anti-terrorism bill. So they knew what was going to come down the pike, and uh, they were getting all, giving themselves the powers and legalities to get it all working when it happened, you see. And then Alan Rock, Rock went off to work at the United Nations in some capacity or other. It's amazing to watch uh, these characters that get, you know, I don't know even know if he was a, a voted in anything, he was always appointed. Most, most of the appointees are technocrats, that's, that's the, the names they're given, technocrats. The same ones that are they're trying to push Bill Gates as a technocrat, someone who should have the power, they claim, to get things done practicality, with practicalities because uh, he would disregard what the people want. That, that's a technocrat, you see. You use them in times of war, supposedly. And they're appointed. So Oklahoma City came and went. So they got what they wanted there with that part. And then in Bill Clinton era too, uh, they had uh, the Waco incident, which was a government going after a, a small group, really, uh, who had a, a, a house in an area where they met and some of them lived. And they even had people who belonged to this group, this religious group, which is quite lawful, even though it's hated today. All religions, all Christians are religious, are hated today because the people who have been brought up in the public schools, the general schools, have been trained to hate it. <laughs> so uh, uh, they don't realize what they've lost because now they, have, now they have to listen to scientists, you see. That's the new priesthood. So anyway, uh, I think it was David Koresh was the leader of the group. The, they want the FBI white them for some reason or another. And they could have had him any other day because he used to walk into town himself, by himself. But no, they wanted a big show for the public, that the cameras ready, they even trained a, a, a group to swat him. And if a FEMA grouping it was, an FBI. And they went in there all gung-ho uh, and, and smelling the cameras and the whole thing to see their pictures getting taken. And they got to the door, uh, outside the door there, and when they yelled, the, the door opened and the FBI immediately opened fire on the people. And so naturally you had a standoff as the folks started firing back. It was really a, an amazing thing to watch. What a ridiculous catastrophe of cowboys 
who have been brought up with in the era of, of force is good, with all the stuff that was on TV, all the TV programming, uh, uh, force is good. And the black clad guns, you know, this is, I went through, I gave talks on it, I said, this is this, the black outfits that they now wear and call themselves police are the executioner's colors. That's why, that's what it always symbolized in law down through the ages. Ask anybody from Europe. Uh, and uh, the hangman would always wear black, you see. Uh, that's a sign. That's not a, a pleasant thing. A policeman shouldn't be wearing black like that. He should be. He should have the blue shirt and the whole thing on, and be approachable by the public that he's supposed to serve. You know that that's something that's been forgotten. But anyway, um, that around the same time they were bringing out the black-clad policeman. That was all the movies, too, the fictional movies. And you see them stalking through houses with a gun in front of them, as though they were like walking mosquitoes with a proboscis sticking out. Uh, that, that's one after the other, like machines rather than people. Getting the public used to what was to come. Britain went the same way, too. And so we could tell this was organized. Uh, see, the, the, it's always, the future's always planned by those who have the power. And it's the same group that continue and their offspring take over too. And that's why nothing really, uh, really drastically different happens. They, they get their agendas through, planned agendas for every generation. But the same folk in control. Uh, and so I did the talks in it then too, about the Waco thing. And uh, of course they had a big, uh, massacre the people. They brought tanks in as well and, f- and with flamethrowers and uh, burned the place down too with lots of people in it and children on the orders of Janet Reno at the time, this strange looking character. She was like a, a kind of woman, woman, a female version of, of Lurch and Adam's family. I'm not kidding you. I mean, this, this is a, this person really seemed to hate humanity. The media tried to praise it's a great thing. And you saw as the fire was getting, was burning. And, and the tanks running around the tops in case there was anybody underneath there, just flattening anybody that was maybe still alive. It's just, this was all on TV and filmed. You, you saw the ring of these black clad agents around the fire, bowing to it. Very, very symbolic of the occult, of course, naturally, which most of the public are not quite uh, aware of, unfortunately. All on film, though. So that was the, the planning. And, and at the same time, too, they went after uh, another couple, too. Some guy they claimed was in some kind of white uh, 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 religious group. I don't say supremacist because I don't really think they're supremacists at all. I think there's so much, so many threats about people now from ethnicities that every ethnic group has got their spokespeople. And I don't see why this white folk should be any different. Why should they be? Hmm? And, and the white Christians too. It's up to them. And, and in the US, they're allowed their religion. Or supposedly. But, but again, that was a big move towards coming down uh, against religious freedom for Christians' sake. Doesn't matter how, how, how weird they might seem to you, or different or whatever, the fact is under the law they're allowed it. And if, you, if they're going to kill you, uh, then something's happened to the law, obviously. And the message is loud and clear to people. And because of that, these events, the militias got their backs up. So something's going on here with and all these black-clad forces wearing combat gear going out against the public. Very symbolic indeed, very, very scary scenarios. In Canada, they, they tried to introduce it more... Uh, 
easily in a sense. They had initially they had they had cops dressed in, in military combat gear, but wearing the green type camo. And they'd have little things. Oh, they were rushed out into Toronto and so on. And you see these guys with their MP5s and, and so on. And, uh, but the green gear on and, and smiling for the cameras and posing and all that. Get used to this. Get, get used to this. And of course, you know, why? Why? What's going on here? There's no terrorism here. And, but that was all how, as I'd introduced it in Canada with lots of publicity and, and apparently like there were responding fake shootouts and, and stuff and they'd all be there and yada yada yada. And then they put out teams of the same guys uh, wearing black combat gear with their pants, the, the, the combat pants and everything. And exactly the same as the States, getting used to it. And they'd, they even had it in the newspapers. I dug up, and I kept all the hard stuff, the national paper, cut it all out at the time. Thought, this is going to be history, you see, down the road. When folk don't know, in 20 years' time, they'll say, well, where did all this come? Well, here you go, this is how it all started. They mean, it wasn't always like that. No, it wasn't always like that. And uh, so that, that teams of journey four cops, dressed in their smart new uh, battle fatigues, in the combat boots, all dressed in black, all smiling, like, just like guys, maybe they even work, you know, got models, who knows. But they were, they were in the papers, and they, you see, you might see them walking down your little streets and little village and towns, because this is, they're just showing you the new, the, the new smart outfits, etc. But black folks is ominous. It's meant to be ominous. And that's why it symbolizes death. You see, and that's what it's meant to do. Getting the public ready to fear, to fear, to fear authority. Very important, fear authority. Anyway, that, that's all happened in the 90s. And because of that, uh, these militia groups and across the, the U.S. Uh, sprung up. And uh, some of them already were in existence, apparently. But uh, again, uh, you had different groups inside the states. Uh, awfully interesting to Carl Quigley talked about his groups or the groups that he worked with again he had the Council on Foreign Relations as a historian and he took over from Alfred Zimmern Zimmern was a communist who, who ran the Communist Party in Britain one time and, the, and its only communist newspaper but he was also put in charge by the Royal, Royal Institute for International Affairs for their, to their own archives again their historical archives of events as they saw it since they were involved in making the history. It was really astonishing, eh? And quickly took over and he got access to that for a while. And he also had access to the U.S. branch, the CFR. So that was tied up by Pratt and this wealthy family who were part of it. And of course Rockefeller was a big part of it too. And I think chairman for a while too, and then um, vice chairman, and also decided the trilaterals eventually as well, quite, uh, but in the 1970s or so, the trilateral commissions. I, I know the first, they first got prominence with the Carter, but I'm off the topic, I'm just prolling here. you got to understand that uh, now they use the word proactive, you know, we're proactive, we're, we're being proactive, blah, 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 meaning they're planning for the future. And that's what these big groups do. They make the future, they, they, they bring it to desired outcome of any conflict since they start the conflicts. And they guide the conflicts, the true Hegelian dialectic, 
of uh, thesis, antithesis and synthesis, you see. You, you come out with a planned synthesis. You can't get it going unless you have two opposing sides to start with, and then you argue out to bring out your, your, your conclusion, which you wanted in the first place. That's how it's very simple. But most folk don't know that's how the world is really run, and it's still ongoing, very intricately. I mean, you, you don't, with the Internet today, that really gave a massive boost in the fact. Before it was all teleconference, they had definitely you know, they had telephone conferences and stuff like that. And they, they had the intranets too. The intranet in the 90s was nothing like it is today, except for the wealthy elite. They did have their teleconferencing then too for the upper crusts and so on, including the bureaucracies that could converse with bureaucrats in other countries and bypass the politicians, which was which something H.G. Wells talked about back in the 1917, 18, and 19 for the League of Nations. So therefore you're going through this planned agenda and most folk never know because you're too busy to know. You've been trained to be, to be naive and very ignorant. It's not your fault you're ignorant. My mum used to say that to me too. But, this, but yeah, you're, you're really brought up to be ignorant and believe what you're told. Why shouldn't you? Every child, every mammal looks to the adults. And the adults show it what to be wary of and what to be wary of and what other species to be wary of too. If you don't get it from your parents because they've been brainwashed and kept naivety too, then it doesn't get passed on to the children. Then schooling takes over. Like Jacques Elal talked about this too, a philosopher, and he said the same thing. He says it's very important for any state, any government, to ensure that the children are given their initial indoctrination at school very early. If they don't get that very early at school, then when if they get it later in life, they've matured enough to, to see through the indoctrination as, for, as to what it is. So that early indoctrination uh, is awfully, awfully important. When I went to school the first day, I walked out to the classroom. I was only in it for 15 minutes. It's the first thing I noticed, and the woman is awful nice, the teacher. But uh, she, she says, now we'll all clap hands. And I thought, why? Why? I don't want to clap hands. I'd already played in the streets. My, my pals are in the same age, and we don't sit and clap hands or something like that. Like, I don't know, it just seems silly. And uh, and they clap, clap hands and stuff. They'd faster and faster. What in there? What is this? And, and to me, I, from, I honestly have always had it. I've looked, I've looked at adults that pretend that they're children for the children's sake. It's ridiculous. Because often the children left at their own devices won't do that kind of nonsense, you know. Really. So I, yeah, I walked out the first day and I went home. But I went, I walked first and, uh, and, and the country there was quite nice. But, but that, that's where you, you find you, you, uniformity is awfully important. You're trained to be uniform. And as time went on, of course, back in, in the 90s again, that's when it first started coming. Suddenly this teacher union is incredibly strong working with the United Nations and Department of Education and, and UNICEF and, and so on. And um, UNESCO, all these groups work with the teachers, all of them, to create a uniformed, dumbed-down Public for a global society. That's what it's about. And then they brought in schools in the 90s and in 2000, uh, this idea of groupthink, you see, for children. And 
uh, the idea was that you, you see one time if you thought if you really were able to think and put out something interesting in school you get a little gold star but I mean they gave gold stars too for just being a parrot and uh, and, and so again you're, you're being acclimatized to be to conform by being a little parrot but in, again in the 90s and, and in 2000 onwards it got worse and worse because they didn't want individualism in the school they didn't want anybody to excel really you had to be uniformly flat and and, if it's, and a lot of it's just social engineering about topics and, and social engineering about different different things that have nothing to do with your basic education you see with tuition today they use groupthink for the children and I've read the articles and the teachers uh, toolkits as they call them how to train children to give them standardized opinions so the whole group eventually uh, it bonds together because they go along in the goody two-shoes and they're given lots of little rewards and, and children want to please adults etc especially if they're younger adults especially if they're female it's true <laughs> it's true and they know exactly how to to pull it off that way the, the children see still have an affinity towards the, the mums mothers and if you get a female teacher, as Bernays would say, uh, it actually helps again uh, to indoctrinate them that way by the same teacher. So the toolkit says to them, you know, how to get them in a group and how to put across, how to literally nullify dissenters who don't put their hands up, go along with the topic or the, or the agreements that they come to in conclusions on the topic. And they even come down to shunning those individuals. And again, I stress individuals. Who, who have a contrary outcome of the discussion and they don't go along with the group. They actually have techniques to shun them. This is what's been happening in the schools for years and years now. And that's how you get a uniform, uniform opinion, groupthink as they call it, amongst the people who grew up to be adults. And they never really change out of that same groupthink. If the official version comes along, they'll go with it. That's how it works. So they changed it from basic education and then into social engineering and, and how do we get on with each other and what do you think of so and then they brought on the Marxist theories too across the entire Western world really uh, where you, where you to, uh, no matter what topic you were on how, how, how would it be to a person living uh, uh, of a different whatever it happened to be in the year 1700 in this country how would they see this happening well I don't know it's, it's bad enough to try to figure out how the average person would see that uh, from their point of view. Except it's, it's, quite, it's not that hard. If you're a peasant, you're a peasant. It doesn't matter what else is going on, really. And if you're a peasant, you really don't give two hoots about some other, somebody with a little, little different whatever it happens to be because you're too busy trying to survive. Hmm? They didn't have the massive income taxes then uh, to fund the, all, all these different things that, that you never thought about and never would think about ever unless it was drummed into you. Anyway, that's what education's about. And then you give histories used to be nothing but dates, times, and generals, and who won. They never went into who, who plundered the, the country's assets, which is really what it's all about: economic warfare, eh? like Tony Blair. Tony Blair literally had the oil guys in, uh, divvying up Iraq before they invaded, they invaded it. He admitted that was in the papers, and I've got all the articles here. So, that's what war is really about. 
and who's going to dominate? And, and the war's for Britain. It wasn't Britain. What is this corporation called Britain? Because the people themselves, even the guys in the military who fought it and so the ordinary soldiers, they got nothing out of it. But the, 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 this massive clique inside London, go, pff, intergenerational, eh? And the big the merchant banks, which they represented too, mostly. That's the merchant banks, you see. And they were the same, same families who owned the banks, who appointed each other as governor generals over their, their, their colonies, as called, to places like Canada. Canada's a dominion, still a colony, and Australia, New Zealand, and, and even India at one point. A good chunk of it too. And a few other places, which they haven't given up. But it was all, so really it was a massive business enterprise for these families, using the country as their own private army and all the rest of it. So you have to stand back. You don't know when you're going through it even, you know. But uh, a lot of the guys in the military did all things for the right thing. They had the right ideas. They thought that your country couldn't be wrong. It's all built on a faith thing. Your country couldn't be wrong. Uh, because we're so nice and good, aren't we? Yeah, all countries think the same thing. But uh, again, before that, in the 1700s and the 1800s, there was mainly up to them, it was pretty well mercenaries that uh, fought. And mercenaries were were just killers, yeah, hired killers. So that's what they were. So yet they put on this new covering of the good, the good society. You see. And you had a regular army with a uniform and made them tidy and all that and, and, and punish them if the customs swore too much in public, stuff like that. The old mercenaries didn't care. And, uh, and they had their own gear and, and their own clothing and all the rest of the old mercenaries. So you don't realize that we're living through, again, as part of an ongoing program. And Britain lost most of its colonies and everything else and its wealth, in fact, for the general public because of the two world wars. And the U.S. was to take over from it, which it did quite happily, because the same <laughs> bankers that ran in around the U.S. and uh, a lot of their families actually moved over to the U.S. Uh, from the big, the big group in Britain. Long stories, anyway, but what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say here is you're kept in a state of fear and panic your entire life because they give you financial collapses. It used to be, I used to always say, you give you at least two massive bank crashes uh, every century, at least two, sometimes more, with uh, many ones in between as they plunder you, you see. And they have resets on the cash value because it's backed by nothing now. And it's been backed by nothing for an awful long time. So they have what they call resets by the, big, by the, the World Bank, another private group created by this, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they created IMF, the same group, and, and uh, the Bank for International Settlements, all privately owned, but, they, but uh, we pay for a lot of its upkeep, by the way, public-private. So, you're living through a system, you're living through a system, and by the way, modern China was set up by them as well. China didn't uh, have, have the cash and the know-how to even set themselves up, and the West brought in their students, often some of the countries paid for the students to be trained into engineering and design and all the rest of it, in preparation for the coming industry, which eventually was all given to them uh, under free trade agreements by, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs Dash Council on Foreign Relations, who set up the, the whole GATT system with the World Bank. Free trade, that's the con of it. 
So we're all living through their system and under their system. And they prattled on an awful lot, naturally. But what would happen, what would happen if they ran out of wars? They even had that. How would they rule the world and keep people in peace and order in a world full of fear and war? Massive meetings about international meetings by the same group. And, of course, they created the sustainability groups. That's why you have people all working together. The big philanthropists that come from foreign relations came out with it quite a few years back when I was on the radio. And I read articles then. I said, the CFRs now have put big pieces out. There's time for the philanthropists to come and take their proper part in governance and governing the world. Well, didn't that kind of clash with the, 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 you know, the joke of democracy? Of course it did, because it was time to try and bypass this idea of democracy. It served its purpose. Uh, it achieved so much, these big powerful groups that own the world by using wars, but now it's time to try and get the whole planet together by international laws and treaties, and then have a war on the general public of the planet, you know. So that's what's happening today. You see, make it all happen, bring it all together again uh, after, uh, again, war, fear of war, diseases and bank crashes and all the rest of it, and reset the economy, a new economy. Uh, the the, the, the Maury Strongs of the world who worked for the Rockefeller Foundation group and the global, they're all globalists, remember, they're probably the same one bunch of globalists who own the wealth of the world, they own the big tax-free foundations that are multi-trillion dollar enterprises that fund all the NGOs out there, these myriads of armies of non-governmental organizations and give tremendous uh, wages and salaries to the leaders of them across the planet to shape society and, and, and the direction that the owners wanted to go. And the general public, again, because we've been trained to be naive and awfully simple-minded and pleasant, we're all pleasant people, most of us, and most of the time anyway, and agreeable, you know, and law-abiding and, and yada, 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 uh, used to, up until very recently, have work to go to. And when you had work to go to, you had a purpose. It gave you purpose and routine. And immediately, if you feel a bit independent... Uh, and uh, you, maybe, yeah, you watch a good chunk of your wage getting taken off you to go and pay for all these NGOs and things and and all the other parasites that live on you. But but, but on, on the whole, folk would, would, would give them a sense of responsibility or a feeling they were in charge of something, even their own routine and income. And that's been taken away from you now. Because, you see, the articles I used to talk about years ago all pointed towards the more strong type articles and the, this biodiversity treaty in the Rio summit for sustainability and a future world where you, you'd be post-industrial, which happened with the give all China, media service economy, and, and now you're, you're, they call it interdependent on other countries. No, you're completely dependent on every other country for everything you need just for basic survival now. You've been com- this is total war. Your ability to defend yourself, even feed yourself, has been taken away. That's, that, they should be called being conquered for. Have you figured that out yet? Hmm? 
So here you go, Murray Strong talked about it, a post-industrial, and then eventually a post-consumerist society, and then big articles out by the same people who pushed all uh, the global warming uh, ideas, then they changed it to global cooling, then back to global warming again. And then it's just, it's just climate change. Same groups, exactly. They were to go into, into a, a post-consumerist society. You wouldn't be out shopping all the time. In a post-consumerist society, well, guess what's happened, folks? Hmm? Can you tie things together? Same groups who are bringing through the same agenda with their all-going-to-die idea, who are fudging all the figures shamelessly, because, you see, they must get this through. You're not supposed to ever go back to any kind of normalcy. Because you wouldn't listen to the sustainability thing, you see. You wouldn't just allow yourselves to be ruled by local officers of the, the new type of KGB or Stasi and be guided by experts who would tell you how to eat and when to eat it and what to do and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what you're doing now, folks? You can't go and shop. You can't go in this. How long have you been out there? An hour and five minutes. Here's a $2,000 fine. Well, I'm a slow walker to this grocery store. That doesn't matter. Then they go through your stuff. That You bought something that was non-essential. You got yourself a chocolate snack. What a crime, eh? And you're treated like a little child by idiots. Idiots. And don't you think for an instant, these guys who are dressed in black, who are treating you like a child, are not the same characters that, that I used to talk about would put you in trenches if they were given the orders, folks. Remember the Milgram experiments and things like that? Huh? Hmm? Remember? Oh, they'll do it. If someone gives them authority, and authority, if someone in authority gives, tells them to do it, they'll do it. That's been proven over and over with all kind of testing. Don't think it's different today. Don't think that. I, 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 you, you gotta look at some of the authority figures they've rammed out for us all to, to obey. And they're all the same, by the way. The same agenda at the top, I mean, they've all been handpicked and sworn on into it like a little club, or brotherhood, or sisterhood, or just a hood, huh? Have you noticed that they, they say exactly the same thing? As each other, they say the exactly the same thing as the World Health Organization, which is apparently the, the big communist control system on behalf of the rich of the world. Because Quigley said that. He says, well, he said people often accuse us of being communists at the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute for International Affairs. He says, because we, we, we have members who, who are communists, members who are fascists and dictators. We don't mind, he says, we bring anybody on. Because, you see, they're all on board with the same goal. And they all seem to benefit mightily from the same goal, mind you, no matter what they pretend to call each other. But that's what you do. Now, here's something you've got to get through your heads. The techniques are used, like 9-11, you know. They get together in their little quiet rooms and they decide on, an, on what they're going to tell the public. That little, it's all written out for them by teams of guys who worked for, for marketing companies. So they come out with weapons of mass destruction 
And one after another of these people in these meetings, the politicians and the little higher clique, you see, they're interviewed by, by media as they're walking past. Well, they say, well, I can't speak about it, uh, except the enemy are using weapons of mass destruction. You see, weapons of mass. And you hear over until you're sick of hearing it, because they wouldn't tell you anything else. Because if they're all sworn, and I mean sworn, and you better understand that the high groups are there, just like the high occultic groups, when they swear on something, it's no different when the Masons swear on something, it's the same thing, you take that to the bank or the grave. And these, they all swear together on it, you know, that the, the, this is what you'll tell the public, and they all, and without uh, a, a, an exception, they'll say exactly the same thing. So you're not talking to an independent uh, representative of government on your back. You're talking to a robot, folks, who, who's sworn to it. Well, it's the same thing uh, when you go into to, to this uh, the thing right now. The heads, the, the communist guy, the head of the, the world, the WHO, and he is communist and very well looked after by China, by the way. And always has been. Uh, but he's communist. He's not a doctor either. And he's telling you how to behave, what to do in the whole bit. And they're, they're talking with this authority for obedience, disobey them, you see. And of course he knows all the other groups in the CDC and so on and the, and the National Institutes of Health in different countries. And they all have the same parrot line. And the ones that they come on TV and they're making stars all say exactly the same stuff. Just like weapons of mass destruction. And they're built up in the star status with, when you go into their histories, all you'll see is PR pieces of how wonderful they are. And they're, they're names you never heard before they were made to be like star quality. That's kind of like Dr. Oz and DTV, same thing. A, a guy who himself, by the way, kind of came out, had shares in vaccine, he's always pushing vaccines. But in an interview, I'll put the link up too for you to watch if you want to believe it, to see for yourself. Um, but he said, he was asked that if he, his own children get vaccinations, he said, oh no, I don't get them vaccinated. It reminds me of the German one, of one of the flus back in 2009 or 10. And they kind of rushed through a vaccine for all the people then too. And, and folk did get sick with what they came out with in the West. And the German, the whole German government representatives refused to take it. They said it was dangerous. <laughs> well, but they wanted you to take it. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nartigals I read last week, you don't put them up again from the Department of Defense talking about um, the, the fact that some of the, the flu vaccines that were given to the troops was making them more susceptible to coronaviruses, other coronaviruses. Huh? I also give you false positives for other ones, you see. But again, you're supposed to be right on board with it and listen, do what you're told and be a child and watch the whole future, the whole future, where you, at least you had some rights left after 9-11, the lawyer spied on like crazy, as if they go the whole way now to even chip you and tattoo you before you can get out of your house. Huh? Well, this is the time, you know. This is the time that where they, they separate the sheep from the goats, obviously, because you're talking about the end of all free will and free thought. And the whole agenda for sustainability is getting rammed through the same time. We're not going to allow any businesses to open up unless they're sustainable and green and yada yada. You know? Really? 
We, they say we. Who are these we's people? Because of the same groups that are all funded by the same philanthropic organizations that have decided to take over the world. Just like Adam Weishaupt said a long time ago, by the way, through philanthropies, he says we shall end up ruling the world. Because it bypasses all other authorities. You can't complain about someone who's just doing good, can you? Until they end up on top of you, telling you what to do and, and locking you up for eating a bit of, ah, <gasps> hamburger. Mm-hmm. But then again, you can always lie when you're, when you, when you catch eating that little bit. It's Canada, it's, a, it's tasteless enemy, mind you. We can pretend, you get a lot of imagination in Canada. We have better imagination than they have in the States. We would imagine all the time it's really good meat, you know. If you can get it, but you can't anymore. But you can always say it's that you're a scientific uh, stasi, you see. Because that's what it is, is a scientific stasi now. Monitoring everything you de- do, say, think, or whatever, or, or you're going to think even, according to the predictions of Facebook and others. So we, we can pretty well tell what they're going to do, you know, or think, or say, you know. And then they tell you if you've uh, gone vote. Well, if they already know you're going to vote for, I guess you can just do it automatically. But you should probably do anyway. But yeah, like your, your, your scientific stasi. And, uh, and say, well, that, you know, that was, that was, that was natural meat. It was grown in a lab. One of these lab meats, you know, like they're making in Holland there. And they got big, big, big money for growing this, 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 this synthetic stuff in a lab. You see, lie, lie your teeth off, you see. Uh, and then again, if they send it off for testing with, with the same test they're using for testing for the COVID, they won't know if it's positive or negative, you know, if you're telling the truth or not. So there you go. Now, before I get really rolling along, I should remind you that you could help me out too by donating. If you go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, very important to you list all the official sites that I have listed on the CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Because anything can happen as we go on here. We really are through a form of tyranny. And the big boys themselves and gals, uh, they're definitely, and their tensions, intentions are really uh, all the way now. And you're going to see wartime powers used on dissenters across the board. That's what they're going to do. They talked about that even in their practices, the Johns Hopkins. Uh, pandemic study along with building on the gates when they had their, their big um, exercise last year. They talked about how they'd have to come after people who who would put out conflicting information to, to the official authorised information that they're putting out themselves from the very top. So remember to list all the sites I have on my official site in case anything happens to any of them. You can hop on to the next one, hopefully, and and still get my talks. And to do so, to remember, you can help me out by donating to me at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And it tells you how to do it and the methods to help me take along here, because I've been putting out stuff for many, many years, and I don't charge for the website. And, of course, everybody uses it. And you find too that all the, a, lot, a lot of the different hosts use it too. And people investigating for articles or even books, in fact, uh, use the information there. So it's nice if you mention me once in a while, uh, which few folk do. <laughs> but uh, but you can help me, as I say, take along by sending a buck or two my way whenever you can. It certainly helps me out. But we're, we're living in a war. 
This is a war, folks. It really is for everything, every part of the future. Worse than any other war we've ever had before. The scientific tyranny that Bertrand Russell said that he would endorse and he hoped uh, out of all the tyrannies for the future. You know, like the basic fascist type, the basic communist type or whatever. He said, if all the tyrannies, I, I would prefer it be a scientific one. Well, that's what you're under. Science is the, is the, 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 the cover for all. And here's something too, you, I gave a talk, this talk years and years and back in the 90s. Don't knock. Don't knock something that protected peasants for centuries. And I'll say, well, it was your, your religions. Oh, we've seen the movies. I'm not talking about movies, I'm talking about real history, real things that happened, eh? The movies were, were, were poisoned to make sure that it was poisoned in your mind forever and ever, eh? But religion was a big nuisance. And you read the tyrants that, that were promoting this system we're in now, like H.G. Wells and all these non-fiction books. And, and he said it. He says, we've got to destroy religion. Same as the communists. They've got a lot in common. You see how it all ties together with the same group uh, that Quigley was talking about. We have them all tyrants and fascists and, and communists and communists and blah, 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 blah. Dictators and so on. Because you see, the, the CFR and Royal Institute for International Affairs is all about rulership and keeping command over millions of people. And they, they, they financed, yeah, they financed, this is no doubt about, they financed, helped to finance the Communist Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution. And they studied it and, and quickly said too, they, they were fascinated to see how it would work out. A big, a big experiment. Oh, that was an experiment to them. And the same thing with, with Germany, Nazi Germany. They were all for it for years. I thought, this is terrific, you know. How they, everybody obeys them and they're all happy looking. Because the group that runs us, one us all miserable and, and, and it's hard to look happy, isn't it? So we don't get such good propaganda that they had back then. However, be it communist or fascist, and the present uh, supposed atheistic scientific socialism system we're in today. They all have to destroy this basic idea of Christianity, especially for the West, because that's what they had mainly, was Christianity, for an awful long time, many, many centuries. And however rulers wanted to rule, they always... It always got in the way of the rulership because you couldn't, you couldn't just go out there and, and, and slaughter people without some come back from the, the church at least, you know. And uh, yeah, you always had corruption of all sides, blah blah. And and even in, in England was was pretty bad for it too because it did have uh, the noble noble families who ran everything. And some would, some would go and become knights and go off to war for the king or whatever. And, and pillage and plunder and rape. All for the good of the, of the king and the crown. And, but other members of the family would, would get sent into the priesthood. But they lived awfully well and they were anything but saints. But that's how they ruled for an awful long time. However, uh, it, it, there was this, this, un, it, this understanding of, uh, a god, you see, a god. Believe it or not, but a god. Uh, got in the way so many times, always, as to what the elite could do to the people. 
And they came really bad. The church had to step up and, and interact on, intercede on the people's behalf many times, you see. And they couldn't go the whole way of just mass slaughter at times against the public. So it was a, a double whammy at one, uh, you know, it, it, they were run by the same people generally. But they had a lot of, of uh, ordinary priests come down from the, the lower ranks and, uh, and they had some compassion for the people too, obviously. And they didn't live any better than the people at that time. Often worse, in fact, some of them. But it gave the people some, something, something to stand up for them. And once they understood that, uh, especially when education came in, basic education came in, in the 19th century, once folk understood what it was about, they could use that like a law. You know, the law of God. See, the law of God is different from the laws that the scientific groups are pushing today. The, the law of a God gives you rights. That they can't, they can't just go in and change things because you've got rights. And it's, it's fascinating to me as I stand back. I can stand back from everything and just watch it and analyze it. And it, it actually gave human life a value. A real value. Awfully important that. It was the very thing that Julian Huxley talked about demolishing this idea of humans on a pedestal feeling superior to other species on the planet. Says we have to bring down their expectation of, of what life has to offer and what life is for them, the human people, because he was going to go in to depopulate. That's what Julian Huxley was all about. He was a Bill Gates of his time and, and Planned Parenthood and the whole thing, you know. And he's no lover of the ordinary people at all. But God gets in the way. Even then, God got in the way at times. An awful nuisance. The communists talked about it. An awful nuisance. Because again, they, they when they rule by expert rule, scientific socialism, and, uh, and the people that had been steeped in Eastern Orthodox traditions were of awful nuisance at times, uh, and stubborn, you see. And as you well said, I said, if we eliminate the family unit, all the communist ideas, it's strange how all of this, it's only one group with British lords and all the rest of it involved in it, like Russell <laughs> and Commune. Because it's one club, you see, with different branches and different names, all like different kinds of specialized sheepdogs, all bringing the world into the same big sheep pen. All different factions and types of sheeps, all in the same pen. That's what you do. And so they all said the same thing, that they'd have to demolish religion. And Wells was quite very straight about it. He says, that way, he said, then we, scientific socialists, when we govern, this, with his pal, of course, uh, Bernard Shaw, uh, George Bernard Shaw, he says, he says, uh, he, he said, then, then we can talk directly to each subject. So you wouldn't be a, a citizen, you'd be a subject then. Just like the Crown, you're in Britain, you're, you're a subject to the Queen. Yeah, and, um, he, he said, you'll, then you'll get instant obedience because they'll have no family stand up for them, like a little tribe, an extended family. Because the folk used to do that, used to get together and say, hey, that's enough of that. And, and stop it. Well, I can remember schools when they tried to push the, the, the more advanced sex education stuff, which was really, and it's been admitted to now, was to get, to encourage the children into promiscuity, uh, so that they wouldn't bond as they grew up to, to a particular person, have marriage and have children. Uh, and that's all admitted to now, of course, as they boast about things which they denied forever.
I can remember, you know, groups of parents, the guys at that time too knew they were men, mind you, they weren't cowed with a generation of of how bad they were and and how they got the whole weight and guilt of the whole planet on them, psychological warfare, they they actually stood up against tyrants. And and if any teacher, sometimes you had a teacher who was an absolute physical tyrant, male or female, didn't matter. And they would take out in some child, some, some of the teachers would just take, pick someone, they'd have some special person they hated, and they would hammer them in the classrooms. And you would see the parents fly through those doors in a way. You wouldn't, I wouldn't go any further, but that, that's what it used to be. So even that, that had to be eliminated too. Destroy the family unit. Most of the families today, uh, they don't have a dad's around now. And, um, and of course, uh, most of the women just go along with every change that's pushed along in school. Well, you know, well, you know. And that's how, this is all planned that way. We're so well uh, understood that we're predictable. And they have, they, have, they have techniques to make every, every group and every gender too go along with it. Hitler said it. He said, he's getting got it from the communists. He says, and we create a massive crisis. You see? Yeah. Or, or exacerbate a, 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 an existing crisis. And with crisis, she always gives a food supply going low. Women that were married used to, they'd they, they nag their husbands. What are you going to do about it? They said, well, I don't know. I can't start an economy. But um, it doesn't matter. Then, of course, the, the ones who, who are in the power give you the strong man who, who talks over the heads of the husband. That's what, this, is, this is what Hitler said. Go over the heads of the husband to the wife and, and offer her security and promise her security and, and she's, then she's happy, you see. Then she's all for the, for the party. She'll do a lot, go along with the party. And she says, she'll come to the party. The child must follow the mother and then must follow the man. That's a technique. And he got it all from the watching and studying. And because he worked social, the socialists of, of communism in Russia before it all fell apart there. So you're, you're really, uh, it's all well understood, perfectly well understood. And through, so, so you're seeing it now too, uh, with experts in your face for everything, you know, to, to how you wash your hands. And uh, experts are awfully good at telling you not to touch your face. That's, that's worth a few million a year, surely. And, um, and how we social and all, all social distancing and all the psychological things. Oh, people going mad now, you know. And they got all these. It's like a war effort. Eh? That's what they do through a war. Uh, you, you turn out all the propaganda and how fun it is to stay at home and, and exercise at home. Then they give you all the silly little things to do. That's not for humans, folks. Especially adult humans. When you be, it used to be when you became an adult, you could decide things for your te- yourself. So much so you could take the rap if you, if you broke the rules. But at least you, you could make the decision. And you, all these people clamping down, you're all going to the usual tried and trusted method. Right down to, they're going to say that Hitler's going to sterilize you all. They're not using that propaganda. That wasn't true either, you know. They made that years later that Hitler had no stockpiles of gas or anything, you know. That didn't matter, lies or how you get the wars going, eh? Simple, straightforward, and targeting certain groups of people. And all the men in Scotland were getting sterilized. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it. And it's interesting with the COVID. Oh, we don't fight this COVID and stop it all. You know, it, it's, it's affecting the testes and men. 
Well, you've seen the report. It might be designed to do that. Who knows? Because there are similar types of tissue that will go for the heart as one of them too and the testes. But again, here we go. I mean, you know, think about it. Think about it. 